Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Aria Hawani, back with another edition of the Wednesday Hawani Show. And as always, we've got a fun lineup for all of you, an eclectic mix of MMA characters. But first, let me once again tell you one more time about the fantastic three-part podcast series done by the great, the inimitable, the often imitated, never duplicated Adrian Wojnarowski, a.k.a. Woj. If you're going for a long car ride to see your family this Thanksgiving, first of all, be safe. Second of all, I recommend you switch on the Woj pod after you listen to this show, of course, to check out the Giannis Draft. It's all about the discovery of two-time NBA MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's a great listen. I can't recommend it enough. If you want to check it out, you can find it wherever you get your podcast. All right, on to today's program, which definitely contains language that may not be suitable for some audiences. So... Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ariel Hellwani's MMA Show. Back in your life on this Wednesday, November 25th, 2020. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition of the Helwani Show, a pre-Thanksgiving edition of the program. I hope you're all doing well if you're celebrating Thanksgiving this week. I know it's a different one. I know it might be a, a, a difficult one, a lonely one, but I hope you're all keeping the faith, staying positive, staying healthy. And you know what? Later in this program... I'll share with you a few things that I'm thankful for in the world of MMA and perhaps in my life as well. We'll see. For now, though, let us focus on today's program. We have an eclectic mix of characters on today's show. A lot going on, as always, in the world of MMA. Big fight this weekend. Usually the UFC is pretty quiet on Thanksgiving weekend, but uh, not this year. This year they're doing a show pretty much every single weekend, and this weekend's main event is Derek Lewis versus Curtis Blades. Main event, big fight, important fight in the heavyweight division. Two big boys fighting at the apex in the smaller cage. High stakes involved. And also, by the way, Saturday, the big boxing match that everyone's talking about and maybe a little confused about. Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. That's happening on pay-per-view. So if you have nothing to do this weekend, you certainly have a lot to watch as far as combat sports are concerned on Saturday night. So we are coming off. UFC 255 on Monday's uh, DC and Helwani program. We talked a lot about Davison Figueredo, and uh, we talked about his big win, and we talked about him taking a fight on three weeks' notice to headline UFC 256 against Brandon Moreno. And I've never talked to Brandon Moreno before on this program, so today on the show we shall talk to the assassin baby himself, learn about his backstory. He's got a great backstory. He's been through a lot, and now he's fighting for the flyweight title in two and a half weeks. It's an incredible story. He was victorious on Saturday as well against Brandon Royville. So we'll talk about Brandon Moreno fighting for the belt. I'm looking forward to that. We'll talk to AJ McKee, who pulled off one of the best submissions of the year um, last Thursday against Darian Caldwell and talk to him about his amazing backstory. And of course, uh, fighting in the main event of the uh, the Bellator Featherweight Grand Prix, the finals, I should say, against either the winner of the Patricio Pitbull versus Emmanuel Sanchez fight, which should happen in the early portion of 2021. He's undefeated. He's 17-0. He is a rising star. You need to know about AJ McKee because he is that darn good. We'll also talk to Kayla Harrison, who made her Invicta and Featherweight debut on Friday. She is a two-time Olympic gold medalist in judo, the only American to win two time uh, to win two Olympic gold medals in judo. So that's a very notable feat. She has crossed over to MMA. She is a powerhouse. She has fought for PFL and she was their 155 pound champion. A lot of people have wanted her to go down to 145. She was frustrated. She couldn't get a fight this year because PFL went on hiatus. She gets a fight with Invicta. She fights at 145 for the first time uh, in her MMA career. First time she weighed 145 since she was 16 years old, she tells me. And she was victorious and very dominant. And so I wanted to talk to her about her future at 145, potentially fighting her teammate, Amanda Nunes, her future with PFL, all that and more. So we'll hear from Kayla Harrison later on in the program. But first, 
let us talk to Aljamain Sterling, aka the Funk Master. He was supposed to headline UFC 256. You know, 256 has been snakebin with all kinds of bad luck. It was supposed to be Kamar Usman versus Gilbert Burns. Usman pulled out. It was supposed to be Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson. Amanda Nunes pulled out. Then it was supposed to be Piotr Jan versus Aljamain Sterling. We found out over the weekend that Piotr Jan is out of the fight. Now, I was told personal reasons. Then he said visa. Sterling's team told me injury, confusing stuff. And unfortunately for Aljamain Sterling, who has never fought for a UFC title before, he has to wait a little longer. He was two and a half weeks away from fighting for the belt. Finally, after this long fall slash summer where he was kind of in limbo and the UFC didn't want to give him the title. It was a bizarre, bizarre turn of events. And in the end, he got the fight after Marlon Marais lost to Corey Sanhagen and he was oh so close to finally fighting for the belt. And then Jan pulls out. So we spoke to Aljamain about his reaction to the news, when they might fight again, all that and more. And so we shall kick things off with the one and only Funkmaster. Enjoy. All right, let's kick things off today with the number one contender in the UFC's bantamweight division, the man who was supposed to fight for the belt on December 12th against Piotr Jan. We'll find out what the status of that fight is. For now, though, let us say hello to the Funkmaster himself, Aljamain Sterling, joining us from Las Vegas, Nevada. Aljo, how are you? <laughs> Pretty good. Feeling jacked, feeling strong, but... um. You know, I got to wait a little bit so I can put these muscles to use, put the gun show to use. Yes, I see the gun show. Very impressive. You're looking uh, to be in great shape. Uh, okay, so we find out late Saturday that they're adding Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno to this December 12th card. And, you know, that card has taken some hits. Usman and uh, Burns fell off. Nunez, Megan Anderson fell off. Okay, so we said, all right, there's now going to be two title fights, you and Jan. And then, of course, the flyweights. And then an hour or so later, we find out that the uh, the bantamweight title fight involving you is off. What was your reaction when you found out that this fight that was so close to happening after all these years that you've been in the sport, all the fights, all the campaigning, everything you've got to do to get to this point was now not happening? <sighs> I, I woke up with my phone kind of, not kind of, it was blown up and uh, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, you know, I. I'm reading everything. I'm like, nah, this got to be fake news. It's definitely fake news. And uh, I call my manager, find out that there was definitely some holdup going on. And we're trying to see if things would work out, but they ended up not. So it sucked. Definitely sucked. You know, I've been waiting for this moment. And, man, I was starting to peak at a really good time three weeks out. And we hit a roadblock again. It just feels like. It just feels like every time this, something's meant to be for me, it just kind of gets pulled back. But, you know, I'm just trying to stay positive about it. I kind of starting to feel like Tony Ferguson a little bit. I'm not going to lie. The, the ferguson be fight not happening. It kind of feels like that. And I just hope eventually it does come to fruition and uh, we need this for the division. And I think it will. I just don't want to get to that point where it's like we're right there. It gets something happens. We're right there. Something happens. We're right there. Something happens. And hopefully – uh, February, March, we can actually get in there and lock it up. So here we are just a couple of days removed from it becoming a reality. Like, are, are you are you devastated? Are you deflated? Are you down? How are you processing this, considering how close you were to the fight actually happening? I was a little sad, a little bit, but you, you can't really hang your head for too long. You know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Being upset, being heartbroken about it, it's not going to change anything. It uh, definitely sucked. But, you know, the show must go on. And, um, you know, they got some other fights to fill in for it. I just got to pull back the training and get ready to go in a couple couple of weeks. It's going to be about another three months. So that that part does suck. It's another three months because I could have I could have honestly been getting ready for my second second title, my first title defense in three months. You know, so mm. that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. We could have gotten it done. And then I had some downtime, and then I could have been getting ready, getting geared up for another title shot or title defense, I should say. So have they told you when they're targeting this now? February, March. I would okay. imagine one of those pay-per-view cards, but they they didn't say which one is going to be yet. I, I'm going to imagine it's probably depending on Pideon and his team. You know, it, the, the weird thing about it is I remember – because I stalk my opponents on Instagram and stuff, and I remember him posting something to his story, I think it was, and – saying like they were getting the the visa stuff in order and it seemed like everything was a go so i was pretty confident that the fight was going to happen and then 
this happened and I was hearing it was an injury, personal issues. And then I'm hearing about the visa. And I'm like, I'm just so confused because I saw that. And then I hear this. And I don't know if it was like his teammates or his coaches or something. Maybe um, you would think that you're the champ that, you know, they would have made sure that this was well taken care of. So at the end of the day, it's out of my hands. I've just got to just get ready for the fight in February or March. That was actually my next question. Have the UFC told you or your management, like what the official reason for his withdrawal is? Uh, they said injuries. That's what I was told. I was told injuries. But um, wow. I saw an interview this morning that Pideon did, and the translation said there were some visa issues. They were booking flights and everything. There were some troubles, and uh, his team and I, he said, my team and I decided it was best to, to push the fight back to 2021. I'm like, it must be nice to, to be the champion, be able to just push an entire event like that. Uh, not the entire event, but obviously, the, you know, the title fight. And yeah. uh, to just be able to just do that. I'm like, I, I don't know. You know, if it was me and I had a situation like that, it would be kind of like a take it or leave it. You know, this is an opportunity. If you want the opportunity, you got to take the fight. You know, so that part kind of sucks because, you know, I don't have that type of pull right now. And uh, it's not like I'm looking to do that. You know, if I set a date, I'm going to show up for that date. That's just the way it is. And uh, unless I can't walk or I can't make it to the octagon, that type of thing. But it must have been a big enough issue that they couldn't make it to the to the fight. So, Yeah, the injury thing is interesting because I was specifically told not an injury, personal reasons, and then I saw the same article as you. So, um, yeah, yeah that, that, that would confuse me if I were in your shoes. And so hopefully they can do it in February, March. And, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, you like Sunday morning, you posted a tweet to him. And uh, no secret that you guys haven't seen eye to eye and you've gone back and forth on social media, but the tweet was very classy and no bad blood. You didn't take a shot at him. Was that a hard thing to do? Nah, you know what, man? I don't, I don't hate any, get anybody that I fight and uh, I have respect for anybody that gets in there. And I think that's the main thing about me. I don't take any of these Twitter wars of beef to heart. I know people are saying like Jan's, living in your head rent-free and st stupid shit. People just say stupid shit. I'm like, if you've known anything about me or you followed my career, you know I talk shit all the time. This is just part of the game for me. It's, it's fun in games. I enjoy that this part. And uh, I think it's more exciting when two opponents talk a little shit. They talk a little trash. You build a fight up. You you make it more than just two guys fighting. You know, you give people a reason to care, get them excited to want to watch you guys fight and uh, i think we're just two competitors he likes to talk a little bit i like to talk a little bit too and um you know i was hoping it wasn't a serious injury because i would like to fight him i don't want to interim fight i don't want to enter fight. i want to fight the champ so we can get some clarity in this division and figure out who the hell is the best guy in this division for once and for all and then we can finally keep things moving i think he had an easy path to the title he did his job the ufc put guys in front of him he knocked him down I did the same thing, but I think I fought stiffer competition, you know? So I think I'm the uncrowned king, you know? And uh, I just wanted my opportunity to prove it. That's really it. So I am a little confused by everything. And, but I think he's a man in that he's a man and he's a man. He's not one of those guys who's like, he's going to fight who they put in front of him. So I'm the next guy in front of him. He's going to show up. So I, I'm not worried about that where some guys in the past I, I had to wonder if they were going to actually make it to the fight so um yeah like i said Giannis, he's a man he's a man's man you know he's a fighter fighter and uh he's gonna show up on the night so i'm just i'm just excited for the opportunity i just can't wait to finally just figure this shit out and by the way and, and i don't think you should do this i'm not advocating for it but just curious because that december 12th card is a little thin did they ask you if you wanted to stay and fight someone else no, they never did. I was actually surprised. But the only person that they could have been would have been Sanhagen. And yeah. uh, that would have been the only person, logically, but we just fought. So yeah. because we just fought, I think that's why they didn't offer that. So that's the way I'm thinking about it. If you know, if maybe we didn't fight, they could probably potentially put that on the table. But um fight's already done, you know, so I fought about everybody in this whole this whole division. In the top 10, top 15, I fought just about everybody. So if I didn't fight them, they're my training partners, you know? <laughs> so it's uh, I think this is the fight that needs to happen. We need to get some clarity in this division and, and move things forward. So this is the one that – this is the big one. I think a lot of people are excited about this one because PDI is this bookie man. They think 
he's going to knock me out or they think I'm going to run through him. So we got to, we got to figure it out. We got to figure this out. Now, Aljo, we haven't talked in a minute, but I, I got to be honest with you. I've talked about you a lot on all my shows and all this stuff leading up to this uh, interview and this fight because, and, and I hope you can provide some clarity for me on this. Why in the world did it take so long for them to finalize this fight? Why were we going through this whole song and dance? Oh, maybe he's next. And, and even see, it seemed to me like they were waiting to see what happened with Marlon Marais and Corey Sanhagen. And even if Marlon won that fight, you might've gotten leapfrog. Why did it take so long to make the obvious choice, which was to book you versus Peter Jan? That's a question for Dana White, to be honest. Um, I don't know if it's because they just didn't like the way I lost to Marlon or they think maybe if I win well, I could be a pain in the ass. But honestly, I just want to fight and make fucking money. I don't, I don't see what the issue is with that. I, they get, they have me as a champion. I'm gonna be an active champion. I'm gonna be a champion that's outspoken. I'm gonna be a champion that's doing the right things. I, I don't think you could get a better champion in terms of what I bring to the table. Uh, I do charities. I do all these things. I, I work with kids. What else could you ask for? You know so. I don't know what their angle is. Maybe it's better for them if they have Jan as a champ, as a Russian ambassador, maybe. I, I couldn't tell you what it was. I really couldn't. Um, I, I hate to get into conspiracies and, oh, they, they don't like me, but I don't think the UFC is in the business of not liking people. I think you could be a pain in the ass and they're going to do what they're going to do to, to try to make your road a little bit more difficult. But um, I think I should have been given the fight a long time ago. And, uh, not even just this situation, even when I fought Pedro Munoz, you know, I thought after that, him knocking out Cody Garbrandt, I thought that would have solidified my redemption after losing to Marlon Moraes and becoming the new number one contender. So, um, especially after Marlon just fought for the belt, you know, so I, I, I don't know. I can't do the homework for the UFC. They obviously know what they're doing. They've run a great promotion in terms of putting on a great event, knowing what the people want. I don't know if there's maybe something I don't know. Maybe this isn't a fight that they didn't think would sell. I honestly really don't know. I I want to say make it easy and say give you something good and be like, hey, they hate me. And but I really don't know, so I can't make up any any story. I just I don't know. It just took them a while, and we're finally here. And hopefully we can make this fight happen. I can make some goddamn championship money, win the belt, be the first Jamaican American champion, and then I can just take over the world, Ariel. Yes. Take over the world. <laughs> But one last thing on that. Can I ask, like, were you getting frustrated? I was getting frustrated for you. I can't imagine how you were feeling when it was just taking so long. I mean, it was taking four months for them to actually, you know, put this out there. Were you kind of internally getting frustrated? I was. And it got to a point where I had to just stop caring because it was like, you're going to get, you're going to drive yourself nuts. Keep thinking about this and trying to figure out what you need to do. I even got to the point where I was like, do I need to like come up with a brand new gimmick and start doing more ridiculous things to to get attention. Hey, look at me. I'm the dancing monkey. Like, you know, that's what I felt like. I was a guy in the, the mouse in the wheel, just mm. all these things to, to get a little bit of attention and some traction, you know? So I'm glad I didn't have to go too crazy and still kind of be true to myself. And, you know, like I said, I talk shit. It is what it is. And I think that's pretty natural for me. You know, I, I don't go too crazy over the top. I'm not Henry Sayudo. I'm not Kobe Covington. I'm not any of those guys. Um, I'm not trying to be a Conor McGregor. I'm trying to be Al Jermaine Sterling. And uh, I think the people love that about me. And uh, finally got the fight four months later, but we got the fight. We were right there three weeks away. And uh, just another roadblock as life happens. And uh, just get back on the horse, take care of my body, make sure I'm doing good because I can't keep revving the engine and red ready to go the entire time. So I got to pull back a little bit and then jumpstart the training camp again and uh, get ready to go for February or March. How difficult is that? Like you talk about not peaking too early now and having to take your foot off the gas when you're that close in that kind of shape that you just showed us. And I've seen your Instagram and whatnot. I mean, how difficult is it to now say, oh, okay, two more months and, and take your foot off the gas? Uh, that part is a little more difficult because it's a little bit of a science. I, you got to make sure you're doing the right thing. And uh, good thing at the UFCPI, I, I can kind of bounce some ideas and let them know how I'm feeling and they could let me know what's too much, what's too little, and kind of give me that right balance to kind of stick within those guidelines. I can taper back from sparring. I don't got to get punched in the head for five rounds again, which is nice because, mm. you know, obviously five rounds compared to three rounds, I don't take a lot of damage in fights and in sparring, but it is a lot of concussive blows every week, twice a week. 
So for me to dial that back and kind of just let the brain recover a little bit, um, I think that's going to pay dividends and helping me take some shots better. Because Petey Allen is going to hit me. He's going to hit me fucking hard. And uh, I got to make sure that I can roll with those punches and be able to have those shock absorbers in my neck ready to go so that I can push through. And eventually, once I take him down, you know, it's going to be a short night for him. But, um, yeah, that's, it's, it's a science. You got to just make sure you're, you're doing the right balance. You don't want to be lazy and slacking off and not getting the work done. But at the same time, you don't want to be in that red line every single day. You got to make sure you're pulling back. Otherwise, you're going to get some diminishing returns in your training sessions. And uh, that's just kind of where we're at right now. So I just finished up some work today and I got another training session tonight. And I haven't, I didn't do anything Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, chilled out. So four days off and I'm going to get some work in tonight and my body feels amazing right now. So it's good to know when to just dial it back a little bit. All right. Well, I'm sorry this happened. I'm sorry. We're not going to see you fight in three weeks. What a great fight it is on paper, but uh, hopefully, like you said, February, March, we can see it happen. So appreciate the time. Thank you for talking about this, Aljamain and best of luck to you. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Um, gonna get home to get some food and get ready to do my own podcast ariel the week yes. of scratch that's right <laughs> everyone uh, check that out thank you Algermain. thanks peace passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers roof racks exhaust kits LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now let us talk to the man who will be fighting on December 12th for the flyweight title, UFC 256. A man who we just saw this past Saturday at the UFC Apex, defeating Brandon Roybal in the feature prelim fight. A couple hours later, we find out he's going to turn around in three weeks and fight for the belt. It's the quickest turnaround for a champion and challenger in UFC title history. It's going down on December 12th in Vegas. It's the one and only Brandon, the assassin baby Moreno, kind enough to join us. Brandon, how are you? Yeah, man. Fine. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for the, for the space. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's great to talk to you. So uh, I want to start here, Brandon. You fight on Saturday against Brandon Roybal. Great win, great performance, and we shall talk about it. That happened at around 6.45 p.m. Pacific time, 6.45 p.m. in Las Vegas. Then three or so hours later, the flyweight title is on the line. Davison Figueroa defeats Alex Perez, and that's at around top of my head, let's say, 10 10 10 15 p.m pacific time less than two hours after that the news is out there that you're fighting davison for the title so let me ask you what happened can you take us inside what exactly happened behind the scenes how did they approach you and how quickly did they get this done i mean that's why i say it's like almost magical you know because i finished the fight i i went to the to get some some interviews i went to the media room after that, we went to the hotel, uh, our team and I uh, grabbed all our stuff, and then we we went to the house of my uh, the house of my manager. Then I I was I was eating when I watched and I saw the fight like 15 minutes after the fight. Uh, Jason House, my manager, comes with me with with his cell phone, and he say, "Hey, I have I have a big man on on cell on the phone." Uh, he want to ask you if you are ready to, to fight in December 12th. I mean, obviously it was like weird, you know, for me because I make the account in my, with my fingers and like, hey man, it's three it's three weeks from here. I mean, I can think just a little bit. Can I get some, at least three minutes to thinking about it? About it? I talked with my head coach and he said, man, you don't have injuries. You are ready. 
let's go with the opportunity of your, of your life. And uh, here I am, you know? I'm ready. So I would imagine you were excited and I know that you wanted to be fighting for the title this past Saturday, but also, like you said, it's in three weeks. So are, do you have mixed feelings? Like, would you have preferred your first UFC title fight to come with a full training camp? Man, obviously, I, I prefer a, a, a complete training camp, camp, you know? Figueredo is a really, really tough opponent. He's, I mean, he's the flyweight champion, champion right now. And in his last fight, he looks amazing and, and really, really evolving in every single of his mashups. So that I prefer a, a, a real training camp, but it is what it is. And again, I don't have any injuries, serious injuries from this fight against Brandon Royball. I'm ready. I'm ready even the even uh, before the fight with, with Royball. So we have the same situation. I mean, Figueredo fought uh, the same car like me, so it's the same for us. It's interesting because um, the first episode of UFC Embedded that came out leading up to UFC 255, you're featured on it and you were very excited about that. You're at your manager, Jason House's house, and uh, you're talking about the cookies and everything. And you were saying how it was hard for you not to eat the cookies. But then he said, after the fight, you can have all the cookies you want. You can have any meal you want. But now you're about to fight for the belt in, you know, less than three weeks. So are you even able to, you know, have a day or so where you can have a cheap meal and go crazy? Man, Saturday, I, I ate very badly, badly, you know, like burg- a burger from Shack, some tacos, but comes next day and start again with the diet, you know. I'm, I'm light, I'm light right now, I'm like 140, so it's, it's not too bad, it's, it's actually, it's perfect. And my, la- my last uh, cutway in this moment, I was in like 145, so right now I have uh, five pounds less, so uh, amazing, the weight is not a problem for me. Okay. Um, obviously, you're the challenger. You have to take the opportunity when it's presented to you. Are you surprised that he's turning around so quickly, that he's not going home, he's staying in Las Vegas, and that he's doing this so fast? Were you surprised when you heard that he was in? Uh, absolutely, yes. I mean, I have too much respect for Figueiredo, you know. Other other champs, you know, never defend his title, never try to make a statement in his own division. And Figueiredo take the fight with just three weeks for try to be prepared and, and try to make way again. So I have too much respect for him. So you have respect for him. I'm wondering if you're impressed by him because what he's been doing, especially this year, you know, beating guys like Benavidez, beating Alex Perez, the way in which he's doing it, drawing attention to the flyweights, his fighting style, his strength, his look, everything. Do you think that this guy is, is, is as special as everyone is saying that he is, or do you think he's a lot of hype? What do you think? No, he's special, you know. I mean, I know I can be that this guy, you know. I'm the real contender of this division, you know. I don't know why uh, UFC take Alex Perez for the title fight first than me. But now I have the opportunity to, sh- to shock the world, you know. I know he's special. I know he's powerful. He's explosive, blah, blah, blah. But, man... I will, we'll see, we'll see the fight, you know, every single uh, people around the world, I will say something ab- about my fight, you know, for example, about Askarov, they say something like, he's amazing, uh, Brandon Moreno uh, will be choking uh, out from all the world, uh, and then Kaikar Frank, amazing uh, striking, Formiga, amazing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but I won every single of, that fa- of those fights, so we'll see what happened in December 12th. I don't want to revisit the whole Cody Garbrandt getting a title shot and then picking Alex Perez over you because it's now old news. But one thing that I did want to ask you about that you didn't really address in the buildup because it was clear you were upset that they chose Garbrandt over you. And then, of course, you're scheduled to fight Alex Perez and then they chose uh, Perez over you, which kind of blew my mind if I'm being honest. But here's the one part that hasn't been talked about. Both you and Alex Perez are represented by the same manager, Jason House. And so you say that you don't understand why they picked him over you. Surely you know the guy who cut the deal. So did you have a discussion with him? Like, hey, why did they pick your other client over me? Why didn't they go with me? I was the guy with the more impressive wins. I mean, you have the insight there, right? I mean, he represents both of you. Yes. I mean, I was very mad in that in that moment uh, with everybody. You know, I'm 
I'm very serious and I, I never try to, to make some, you know, posts in, in Instagram or something like that. But I was very mad and, and I was very confused and talked with, with Jason, you know, and he said the company uh, took the decision to get to take uh, Alex Perez for the title shot. I, I even right now I can't understand what happened in that night when I don't know Mick Maynard and, and Dana White talks about the next uh, flyweight uh, title fight but you know Jason House make everything perfect with me since I'm I'm start to work with him so I have all my confidence with with him right now so was and I'm ready right now okay when you were initially released by the UFC and I believe 2018 if I would have told that guy two years later, two and a half years later, you'd be fighting for a UFC title, would you have believed me? <laughs> Man, I, that always was the goal, you know? I mean, obviously, if you talk with me in that moment, I was very sad and say something like, Man, just shut up. Don't <laughs> beat me, please. But, so, you know, sometimes... I don't want to even uh, wake up and get up to the bed to go training, but I just wake up, get up to the bed, and went to tra- to the to the gym and get some amazing training, and that's why I'm here now, you know, because I'm very persistent, I'm very disciplined, and it is what it is in the life, not just in the martial arts. I mean, it's in the life. I think so. So when you were released, did they tell you you were released because they were getting rid of the flyweight division or is it because of your performances or another reason? No, they, they say about, you know, about the division was very easy for them to cut my head because I lost two fights in a row. Mm-hmm. So that combination was very bad for me. Did you consider walking away from the sport after that? Uh, no, not to, not to be honest. I mean, I, again, I was very disappointed of my performance of, of my life in that moment. But after UFC released me, I tried to get some opportunities in other companies. But then I, I meet uh, Jason, my, my manager, and he makes an amazing work with me, you know, get the fight in LFA for the championship. Uh, I won that fight, and then I go back to the, to the UFC. Right. Uh, you, you have two or three children? Three. Three the now. last one born in September. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Three girls. Thank you. Three girls. Exactly. Three girls. Amazing. Six, two, and, and one and a half months. When you were out of the UFC, I, I saw an interview with you and you said that you were very down because of the fact that you were no longer in the UFC, but also something, did something happen to your daughter where you needed money from your parents for doctor's bills and yes, things like that? What happened? My daughter had like a problem in his stomach so she needed like a, a, a surgery wow. she needed a, a, a surgery and in that moment i don't have money money you know and then my parents give me some uh, uh, give me some money for the for the surgery you know my my second daughter born uh, ufc released me you know a lot of bad things in my life in, that, in my life in that moment wow is your daughter okay now yeah, she's amazing. She's so happy and she's crazy right now. Great. And so it, it just, you know, the reason I wanted you to go over this with us and explain some of these things is because I think it makes the moment that much bigger because here you are on three weeks notice getting a title fight. You've been through so much, so many ups and downs. And in now less than three weeks, you're about to fight for the belt. Is it hard to like comprehend? Like, is it almost surreal for you that this is happening after everything that you've been through? Man, completely surreal. I mean, this life is a kind of crazy roller coaster from Six Flags. I don't know. <laughs> I try to watch behind my shoulders and watch and watch all this crazy journey of, of my life. I mean, I sometimes I, I can't even believe it all all my life. But you know what? I deserve this. I know I deserve it. Sometimes a lot of people. Uh, put less attention in, in his own uh, discipline, on, in his own persistence. But man, I know I deserve this moment in my life. On Tuesday, they came out with the poster, 
right? The UFC put it out there of you and him together. What I mean, that must have been, I saw you posting it on your Instagram too. That must have been, you know, you're standing next to the champ in three weeks. You could be the champ. That must have been a cool moment, right? Man, the moment of my life, you know, again, I, I will win the, that title. And after that, I need new targets and new goals. But I, I've been working of that it, it almost 10 years. Hmm. So it's, it's amazing. Have you allowed yourself over the last couple of days to think about what it will feel like when Dana White puts the belt around your waist and, and your life has changed forever as UFC champion? Do you let yourself think about that? Yeah, man, I love it. I always try to to watch that moment in my in my mind. You know, always I try to be focused in that moment. You know, stay always ready for that moment. Care the the bell on my waist. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, he's looked really good as of late. In your opinion, what's the key to beating Davison Figueredo? I mean, I know he's powerful. I know he has power in his right hand. His Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is amazing. I I need to be very explosive. I need to be very fast. I need to put some respect in the fight because I think his last opponents uh, be very careful about his abilities. Mm. You know, obviously, I need to be very careful of Figueiredo because he is really dangerous. But I don't, I I don't want to respect him too much in the fight. You know, I, I need to show I can bring a really good a show in that fight. So I need to be fast. I need to be explosive. I need to show some respect. But I think the most important thing is put my Mexican heart in that fight. Yes. Uh, and there's a great history of, of Mexican fighters and, and the heart that you guys possess. Um, just curious, he has a fun, you know, persona and look, do you, do you feel like he's too cocky? What, what do you make of him with the glasses and the hair and the shirt and everything? Man, no, he, I mean, I think he's trying to sell tickets for the boss. Yeah. And, and it's fine. You know, he, he's trying to be a, a trash talker. It's crazy. I don't like too much that kind of attitude, but it is what it is for me. It's never personal for me. Is I I need to get that bell, not for beat uh, Figueredo. I need to get that bell to change for for change the life of my family, and mm. that's it. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, now let's turn our attention to Kayla Harrison. Like I said, two-time Olympic gold medalist, rising star in the sport, one of the best female fighters already on the planet, undefeated going into Friday's fight in Invicta. She gets a chance to fight for Invicta after, you know, all this drama with PFL. PFL says we're not putting on events in 2020 due to the pandemic. She wanted to be active. She was frustrated, cuts a deal with Invicta to fight for them while still repping PFL, but it's at 145. She's never fought at 145 before. She's very much against cutting weight. And so she takes this fight. People are wondering, would she make the weight? She makes the weight. And now all of a sudden, considering how she made the weight, considering how good she looked in that fight, which she won on Friday against Courtney King, all kinds of talk about her going to the UFC after her PFL is done in 2021 and maybe setting up a big time fight against her teammate, Amanda Nunes. Now, Kayla's very smart. She's a very smart businesswoman. And I tried to press her on the situation with PFL and the contract and the, the state of the relationship and all that stuff. And it's one of those conversations where body language speaks louder than answers, if you get what I'm saying. So if you go to the ESPN MMA YouTube channel, that portion of the conversation, the entire conversation with Kayla is up there. But we'll pick things up 
where we start talking about the weight cut and a potential move to the UFC and Amanda Nunes and all that stuff, because that's very interesting as well. So here's a portion of my conversation with Kayla Harrison, who is definitely, if you don't know her, a name to watch, a name to look out for. And if you missed her fight on Friday, go check it out as well, because that was as dominant and bloody as it gets. Enjoy. You make the weight mm-hmm. successfully in what mm-hmm. appears to be a healthy manner. At any point, you say to yourself, I may have a future here. This is not bad. There are opportunities here. Has this opened your eyes and maybe loosened your stance towards fighting at 145 in the future? Yeah, of course. I mean, I didn't expect it. I mean, it wasn't easy. Like, I don't want to, I'm not going to downplay it. Like, it sucked. I did not enjoy it at all. Like, zero out of 10 stars for cutting weight. I think it's, it's, I don't, also, like just for a second, let's talk about people who actually eat like that for li- like just like to live. Like people who just want to look good or something, or like who aren't athletes. Like who actually does that? Like that's not a there's there is a better way to to live, my friends. Okay, and it's called Halloween candy. And like, don't do this to yourselves. Like this is not this is terrible. Um, but of course, you know, I feel I'm proud that the PFL created a 155 pound division and I'm proud that I helped build that and helped grow women's MMA and helped continue to, to create depth in the sport. Um, because I think that's important. And I think the only way to do it is, you know, like you have to force it. You have to be like, no, like of course there are women of all sizes and there are women of all, all sizes who practice MMA. It's, it's not, you know, we don't fit into this little tiny circle that we've been given. Um, But I also realized that I'm in the business of Kayla Harrison and the business of Kayla Harrison is probably going to have a lot more opportunity at 145 than at 155. So, Okay. We'll get back to that, but then we get to the fight on Friday and it's very clear, at least to me early on that there's levels to this game and that she's not quite on your level. That was very one-sided, and I thought the fight should have been stopped in the first round. She's gushing blood. She's tough as nails. She's hanging on. She's not quitting, but, I mean, it seemed elementary. When you're in a fight like that, and you can use elbows now for the first time in your career, I do believe, what is going on in your mind when all this, I mean, there's blood all over you. It's kind of gross. Like, what, what do you think? It was really gross. <laughs> Are you um, enjoying this? It was, like, really gross, first of all. Yeah. Well... It was just kind of, it was all very like surreal. I think I was just like kind of dazed to be back in the cage. Like I was a little bit out of it. And then we had talked about the fact that I could throw elbows, you know, Mike and Anderson and Mako and I, we had discussed it and like, you know, quality or not quality, not quantity. And, you know, Mike had even like, Mike is the greatest coach. All right. He like put elbow pads on me and he like laid down in the garden. He was like, just, you know, just practice, just practice, just get the feel of it, like rolling over the wrist. And he was like, now that's going to cut. That's going to, I'm telling you right now, that's going to work. And lo and behold, friggin' first elbow in my entire career I've ever thrown. I felt it. Like I wow. went boom and the blood squirted out right away. And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> what, what have I been missing? Like, this is, I've never made anyone bleed in seven other fights. Like, <laughs> No one has, no one's even had a bruise really from me. So I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is different. But then it like got pretty serious, pretty fast where I was like, oh my God, this is different. Like, this is disgusting. Mm. Like, why are they not stopping this? Don't, don't they normally stop it when there's this much blood? Like I was very, in my head, I was like, should I keep punching her? And then I was like, yes, you like, yes, you should keep punching her. It was crazy. Eventually. Flipping. Like I was, my yeah. knees sliding and I was like, this is gross. Yeah. It was uncomfortable to watch just because she was bleeding so much and you were just yeah. beating her up so badly. And then the fight's over and you stand up and you don't look happy. You actually well, look disappointed. Why well, are you disappointed? Listen, Okay. First of all, I'm allowed to be disappointed in myself. I can't stand that you guys all are like, no, no, <laughs> whatever. Okay. I'm allowed to have, I'm allowed but what could you possibly be disappointed about? Okay, maybe I wanted to work on my striking more. Maybe I didn't want to take anybody down at all this fight. And I didn't do that. Because you know why? Because instinct kicks in and you just become 
the job is to win, not to, which is just so frustrating though, because my striking, I feel like has gotten so much better. And in the gym, like at sparring, I'm comfortable. I can go five rounds and not do a single takedown. I can do striking only. But obviously when you're in a cage and it's four ounce gloves and there's a lot on the line, like my instinct just takes over. And I'm like, no, no, it's, it's time to, it's time to take her down. (laughs) But so I was just disappointed in that because I really wanted to like, it's stupid. Every grappler wants to knock somebody out and every striker wants to submit somebody like it's really dumb. Fighters are dumb, but I can't help it. I really wanted to like, I wanted to, I wanted to work on being comfortable on my feet. Will you fight? So PFL returns in April of 2021, mm-hmm. at least as of mm-hmm. right now. You will fight one more time for Invicta before then? I don't know if it'll be for Invicta, but I'm going to fight one more time. Oh, interesting. Okay. Who, who might it be for? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, is there, is, there, <laughs> is there something in the works? Yeah. Oh, but it's not UFC and it's not Bellator and it's not one, as you just said. Yes. I didn't say that. Oh, I thought you said that earlier. I won't fight for Bellator okay. one. That you said that. You said I heard. Okay, I said, okay. No. Okay. Uh okay. would it be at 145? I don't think so. Okay. 155. Maybe a catch weight. 150. Yep. Okay. Uh, would it be in 2020 possibly? Yep. Would it be in Japan for Ryzen? i mean that was pretty good come on you gotta admit that was pretty good oh my god they're gonna love you japan for rising that would be great new year's eve kayla harrison two-time gold medalist not former gold medalist he's fighting as well so that would be like fantastic the the japanese fans will adore you you're you're they love they love judo they love the gold medal yeah are you gonna fight in a gi (laughs) They love that thing, no? Yeah, that thing, a gi. Well, that sort of thing. I mean, like the gimmick, not the. No, uh, no right, the gimmicks. The gimmicks. Yeah. They they love the they love the freak shows. Yeah, well, and not to suggest you're a freak show. Uh, any opponent lined up yet for December thirty first in Ryzen? I am not. Free. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have no idea. Okay. Again, you know, the whiz kid Ali is working on it right now as we speak. So. Man, this is like 12 Ali shout outs in this interview and rightfully so. Well deserved. Um, can I ask you though? Okay, so that's exciting. But after the fight, perhaps the one, I don't know, negative, you know, I saw it on my Instagram. I saw you addressing <laughs> it. People accusing you of being on PDs. And I don't feel like this is something that has been- Can we talk about this for a yeah. second? Okay, how do you feel? You're, you're successful, you're dominant. It really hurts my feeling. I mean- it doesn't hurt my feelings, but it just like, it does get under my skin, man. Like <sighs> everyone's always like, you should take that as a compliment. You should take it as a compliment. People think you're on steroids. And I'm like, are you reading the things that these, like they're calling me a man. They're calling me Brock Lesnar. They're calling me like, and I'm like, first of all, I literally have been tested by USADA since I was 13 years old. They came to my middle school. Because I was on the national roster for judo when I was 13. I made my first Olympic trials when I was 14. I've been getting drug tested by USADA since I was 13 years old. And I didn't always look like this, by the way. I remember before I started judo, there was like a picture of me. I was a little kid and I was kind of like a little butterball. Like I wasn't fat, but I was like, you know, a little chubby. And I was like six or seven in the picture And then I started doing judo and I started like, I loved judo. I started taking it right from the rip. I wanted to go all the time. Like I just loved everything about it. And literally there's a picture of me. I don't know. It must've been my 10th birthday or something. And my birthday's in July and I'm in a bikini, like a little like girl bikini. And I've got like traps and I've got like biceps and I'm like this jacked little kid. Like I've just, I developed these muscles over years of training and I, I really want to like contact USADA and I want to be like, Hey, can I get a record of all of my tests that I've ever taken? Is that possible? Like, do you have a hist- Like a, you must have it. Mm-hmm. Can I get that? Can I get a copy of that? Cause I really want to just post it up, you know, but I would imagine I'm also it's frustrating. Type. Like I'm a sensitive. Uh, that's the one thing about that Rhonda always told me about MMA. She was like, you need to have a thicker skin or you're going to get eaten alive. 
because I am a little bit of like a, <laughs> I am a little bit of a sensitive. So are sensitive. you on, on, on social media afterwards reading these comments after yeah, getting it's upset? Like a bad, yeah, it's a bad thing. You I can't do that. Yeah, you can't do no, that. I know. I know. Um, okay. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do want to ask you this, a true or false question. True or false. 2021 will be your final year with PFL. No comment. Because you alluded earlier, you're going to play out the season. Why are you okay. trying to get me in trouble? I'm no not trying. To, I mean, this is the this is sports, right? This is what we talked about. I have contractual obligations. I will fulfill them. And you have one year that. left, right? That's it. One year. Will so, it be 155? It will be at 155. Okay. Um, yes. And and you know the question always comes up, so I just want after this experience, are you open to the idea of fighting your teammate Amanda Nunes? I love Amanda. I, it's like, it's just, you guys are all this, like, it's what would it all the same. Be this original, is... like da, da, maybe make it one interview without asking me about fi fighting this Amanda. Is... Everyone probably, no one asked Amanda if she's open to fighting me. No one asked her that, you know? I think, well, I think it's a little different because you're the, the young lion coming up. Yeah, but I don't like, I don't want to be disrespectful. Like, Here's the thing. Here's the I thing. love Amanda. I respect Amanda. I aspire to be like Amanda. I don't want her to think that I'm like trying to build a name off of her. But because of course, yes, I would love the opportunity to compete with her. If I compete with her, that means I'm competing with the best in the world. You know, of course, I, I would love that. That's what I'm striving for. You know, I want to be where she is. I want to be like that. But she's also my teammate. She's my She's a training partner. She's a friend. I look up to her. So it's like, do I have to like go in the media and say like, yeah, I'm going to fight Amanda someday. Like, no. I just don't want, I don't want to be like that. Like I respect her too much. I think hopefully someday I get to the, to the point where I'm given that opportunity. And when I am given that opportunity, I will do so with the utmost respect. It's not going to be like a disgusting display of like hate or anything. I will be the up, like, the epitome of a martial artist, you know, and hopefully we both make a boatload of money from it. So I have to continue to build my legacy in order to get to the point where we get, to, we get to do that. You know, she's done all the work. Like she's done everything there is to do in the sport. Now it's my job to do the work so that I get the opportunity. And in my defense, historically, as you know, teammates always shoot down this concept and, and both you and her haven't. And I commend you for that because it doesn't have to be fueled by bad blood and whatnot. But here you are, this special athlete, a two-time Olympic gold medalist who's coming up in a division where, let's be honest, there aren't many other people in the division. And you're like <laughs> the shining star in the division. And she happens to be there, the goat of women's MMA in many <laughs> people's eyes. And it's just like there. I almost feel like I'm not doing people's eyes. She is the goat. Like, yeah, well, I don't, you know, there's no, you know, it's, it's a, it's a debate. You know? It's like you, but you can't argue facts. So. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so, so that's why I feel like I'm not doing my job, especially since you have now fought at 145, and that's sort of, you know, the natural. Yeah, I've had one fight at 145. You know, she's also had 20 plus fights in her career. I'm not saying next. I just said, are you open to the idea? Of course, that's... of course, of course. Okay, fair enough. Course. Um, I would. I mean, I. That's what I aspire to. It, but I just hate it when they turn the headline into like. Well, that's not on me. That's the you know the internet. I mean, what could you do? Okay. So you're saying it's we should make the headline. For no, the, I the media, hundred percent. Kayla Harrison, colon, I want to beat up Amanda Nunes. Next. Yeah, like That'll that's exactly what it'll probably say, and then I'm gonna like, <laughs> then I'm gonna have to go talk to Amanda, and it's gonna be like, listen, I didn't say that, and she's gonna be like, I know, fuck them, and I'm gonna be like, yeah, you're yeah. right, fuck them. <laughs> Sorry, we won't talk for a year. It'll be a whole. Thing. Um, okay, last thing. Uh, okay, it appears as though the 145 division in the UFC is, you know, maybe nearing its end. Are you? Yeah. Are you hoping they keep it around? You know, oh, is... around. Okay. You have insight into this? I'm just like, no. Call me Nostradamus. I love it. <laughs> Kayla, great to talk to you again. Congratulations on the win. If you do fight December 31st, say in Japan or somewhere nearby, I wish you the best of luck. I just saying if. You're I said if. I'm letting say... foreigners in. Like, what are you talking? I said if. If. Congratulations. You're so off on that one. Okay. I may not travel at all for my next fight. Hmm. Titan FC is based in Florida. Anyway, uh, congratulations <laughs> to you and uh, hope we can do this again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, so great stuff from Aljamain Sterling, Brandon Moreno, Kayla Harrison, all in kind of different moods, right? Aljamain Sterling, frustrated. Moreno, very excited about his opportunity. Kayla, a little frustrated as well, but, you know, I think relieved that she made 145, and obviously the future is very bright for her. Again, you can watch those entire interviews up on the ESPN MMA YouTube channel. Some great conversations with, you know, some some rising stars in the sport. Maybe not uh, the biggest draws right now, but names that we're going to be talking about for a very long time. In particular, Kayla Harrison, in my opinion, and Moreno has an unbelievable opportunity on his hands. And I, I love his backstory with his his family's piñata business and growing up in Tijuana. I mean, just a very likable character. And uh, he's about to fight for the belt in what, two and a half weeks, a fight that was added officially to that card, UFC 256 on December 12th, is of course Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that as well. I'm looking forward to that fight very much. So upcoming for the UFC, it's November 28th this weekend, Derek Lewis versus Curtis Blades. Of course, it's uh, December 5th, Kevin Holland versus Jack Hermanson, December 12th. Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno. And then December 19th is the last card of 2020, this crazy year, Hamza Chemaev against Leon Edwards. And then, like I said, this weekend as well, we've got Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr., the crazy boxing match, which people don't even understand the rules. I don't know if I understand the rules. California is saying one thing. The promoters are saying another thing. Maybe that makes it all more interesting. I don't know. We're not really sure what Mike is going to do, what Roy is going to do. It's a bit of a freak show-like um event and you also have jake paul against nate robinson formerly of the knicks and celtics and bulls and a whole bunch of other team nuggets as well so uh just a a fun weird event on saturday by the way israel desanya will be a color analyst for that event so i look forward to seeing how he how he does in that regard and i think he'll do very well to be honest uh so that's all this weekend that's all coming up but before i go i did want to quickly toss to a portion of my conversation with AJ McKee, who pulled off that amazing submission last week against Darion Caldwell. He calls it the McKeotine. He's still undefeated. He's an unbelievable prospect. He's a guy that we should be talking a whole lot more about. He's the son of Antonio McKee, who's an interesting character in his own right, longtime MMA fighter. And he's just 25. And honestly, if he was fighting in the UFC, I think we'd be talking about him a heck of a lot more. And one of the things I asked him about is, does it bother him that people don't talk about him like they do some other UFC prospects? Here's what he had to say. I know Bellator loves you and they treat you well, but is there any part of you that ever thinks like, man, just based on the way fans are and media to a degree, I'd be getting a lot more love if I was fighting in the UFC. Definitely. Definitely. Does that annoy you? Um some sometimes um sometimes just because i feel like the organization the organizations don't make the fighters the fighters make the organization you know what i mean so ufc being the pinnacle of mma since it was around in the beginning and it's always been that stamp of they're the best ones you know um i don't know I, I, I would love to have a UFC belt, but the things that I want to do endorsement wise, I want to go get an undefeated deal. I want to get a Snickers deal. So there's big companies that I'd like to bring into the fight game to not just bring more money into the game, but I just feel like they're brands that I represent well, that I've kind of accumulated and made my lifestyle part of. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Those, those kind of aren't, things you can do in the UFC endorsement wise. So um, when UFC was not, when they were allowing endorsements, I, I was all about it. I loved it. I was like, man, UFC, let's go. And then they did the Reebok and I was just like, damn, like these are things that my dad has kind of said are going to happen and then have happened. So I'm like, I don't know, you know, 
with, with the ideas and the, and the reach outs and friendships that I want to build in, in certain businesses, you can't do that. But at the same time, I feel like the level that I'm at eventually, either we're going to have to unify belts or I'm going to have to leave, you know? So, um, I don't know. I love Bellator. I'm, I'm comfortable where I'm at. Um, after this tournament, um, we're going to sit down talk. And I guess that's, uh, it's when the real games of life begin. <laughs> How many fights left? Um, two. Okay. So the finals yeah. and then one after. And then one after. Okay. And, and by the way, why Snickers? I've just, I grew up on Snickers since a kid, man. Um, after Wayne's, I'm, I'm going to get a Snickers. Like, <laughs> that's my first thing. Snickers and a Sprite, you know? Like, that's, that was just the go-to after practice, everything, you know? Even in my weight cuts. I have probably throughout my weight cut, just let's say last four weeks of camp, probably eat about 10 to 12 Snickers all together. Like, I, I don't know what it is about them. I love them. While you're were cutting weight? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's my cheat, my, that's my cheat meal. That's my cheat snack. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's probably not the best cheat, cheat meal, cheat snack, but it is what it is. I don't like the chocolate. I'll eat all the chocolate off of the Snickers and just eat the nougat, the caramel, and the, and the nuts. So What? Like like a rabbit? I, like you, you like chew off all the... Exactly. What? Chocolate. <laughs> it's, it's one of the weirdest things. I don't oh, do it in public because I feel like people are going to look at me crazy. Like, what are you doing to that Snickers? Like, you know? But Big Snickers or baby Snickers? Or you don't discriminate? Big Snickers. My yeah. dad's a little Snickers person, but interesting. The, the big ones just have more nougat and stuff, you know? Yeah. Just more greatness. Okay, so really fun stuff there from AJ McKee. Again, if you want to listen to that entire interview, go to the ESPN MMA YouTube channel. we got a lot going on over there. And so before I go, since it is Thanksgiving, one of my favorite holidays, if not my favorite holiday, you know, I never grew up celebrating Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving isn't really a big deal in Canada. It's on a Monday. It's in early October, as DC and the rest of you learned earlier this year. I didn't even get off from school on Thanksgiving. I went to a Jewish private school. We didn't even get off from school. Uh, Never had turkey. We didn't do any of that. The only reason I knew of Thanksgiving and quasi-celebrated it was because I was a big NFL fan and I would watch the football games. Like We'd go home during lunch and watch the football games and and then come back. Uh, So that was exciting. I remember one year, Leon Lett and I think uh, the Cowboys played the uh, the Dolphins and he screwed up. He hit the ball. Anyway, uh, those are my memories of Thanksgiving. But since I've moved to the United States and now I've been here for half my life, I, I, I moved there. I moved here in 2001. So what, 19 years ago, I'm 38. So half my life I've been in the States, which is kind of crazy. Uh, now I really appreciate it. And I appreciate everything it uh, symbolizes that there's no real religious ties to it. And it's all about giving thanks and being thankful and um, being with friends and family. Unfortunately, this year, it's a little different. And uh, that's, that's a huge bummer. But uh, I just wanted to say that I'm very thankful for, for all the fans out there. You guys have been incredible to me throughout my career. You guys have always had my back, always been so supportive. This year, uh, you know, as much as any year, considering all the changes and how we give you the content and where we're doing it from, you have never complained. You have never said that, you know, things are, are different. All, like, you, you're, just, you're just very grateful. And I am so thankful to be a part of this community and I'm thankful for the fighters who always give us the time of day. And I'm thankful to have great colleagues at ESPN like TST who produces this podcast each and every week with such passion and interest in the sport and the rest of the team at ESPN MMA. I'm obviously thankful for my job at, at ESPN and I'm thankful for my co-host, Daniel Cormier. And it's been an amazing thing to, to have this show, you know, be born in the midst of a pandemic. And I look forward to Mondays very much. Chael Sonnen, of course. Uh, on Thursdays, Ariel and the Bad Guy. No Ariel and the Bad Guy this week, by the way, because of Thanksgiving. But, you know, I just find myself sad that I can't be with my parents and, and the rest of my family, but very, very thankful and grateful. And I can't wait. And I think we're all going to feel this way once this ends, hopefully soon. Uh, I just can't wait to, to go back to doing the things that we took for granted. Trips, being around friends and family, just do, doing, you know, the stuff that makes living so worthwhile. So, um I'm thankful for all of you. I hope you're hanging in there. I hope this podcast has been able to give you a bit of an escape, a bit of a a, a time to uh, think about other things throughout all this craziness over the past year. And I hope you're holding on and hanging in there and uh, staying positive. And I'm also thankful for 
all the people who continue to rate, download, subscribe, and review to this podcast. It's very, very important. It helps us out more than you know. And thank you very much to uh, Sammy Drew, who posted this review. Quote, this podcast is the number one podcast on the app. We're talking next level. I listen to the old shows, and this show is money, big money. I want to see Ariel and DC as the next tag team champions in world wrestling entertainment. Hashtag Ariel Hawani Boxing. Hashtag Y'all must have forgot. Well, thank you for that, Sammy Drew. That was very nice of you. And yes, perhaps in 2021, we shall see DC and I in a squared circle taking over World Wrestling Entertainment. For now, though, we are out of time. Enjoy the fights this weekend, my friends. Uh, thank you very much to Brandon Moreno, AJ McKee, Aljamain Sterling, and of course, Kayla Harrison. Thanks to all of you, as always. I love you all. Thanks to TST. And I hope once again that you all have a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Back next week, same time and place to tell us that price. I'm out of here.